The following is a conversation between Michael Thatcher, President and CEO of Charity Navigator, and Denver Frederick, the host of The Business of Giving. When a disaster, crisis, or pandemic hits, one place we all eventually pass through is the website of Charity Navigator. And to get the big picture view of what is happening in the nonprofit sector, I can't think of anybody better to discuss that with than Michael Thatcher, the president and CEO of Charity Navigator, who is with us now. Welcome back to the Business of Giving, Michael. Great to be here, Denver. Thank you for having me. You know, before we start to discuss COVID-19, tell us about Charity Navigator and the work that you do. Sure. So Charity Navigator is the nation's largest independent evaluator of nonprofits. We have a database of all registered nonprofits in the U.S. That's about 1.6 million. And of those, we provide ratings. So we evaluate a little under 10,000 of them. And uh, sort of sneak announcement, we're about to have a new rating system go online in July, which is going to be rating up to 100,000 organizations. And we'll be up looking at more metrics than we're currently looking at. Today, we evaluate financials and accountability and transparency. We also provide uh, the ability to make donations directly to nonprofits through our giving basket. We run hot topics and I think that's probably the most relevant to this conversation. We have a hot topic on the pandemic. There's over a hundred vetted nonprofits that are dedicated their response to working on some issue around those that have been affected by the pandemic. Well, uh, to pick up your point, Michael, Charity Navigator is always been a very user-friendly website, and you do customize it to meet the moment. So how have you customized it to highlight some of those really good nonprofits who are on the front lines of this pandemic? So we started, we put together a hot topic. We call these hot topics in times of crisis, and we have a hot topic on COVID-19. It's got 114 vetted nonprofits that are dedicated to doing something around the pandemic, whether it's providing food, providing medical aid, other forms of support. This list has drawn a lot of traffic. We actually have about a 200% increase in giving this since uh, the 1st of March, I would say. Mm -hmm. That's unbelievable. And as it relates to that traffic, are the kind of inquiries you're getting and receiving different than the normal disaster? Because those disasters are usually a bit more one-dimensional. They're geographically focused. I just was wondering how this is differing from the crises and the disasters, the natural disasters you've had in the past in terms of the kind of people who are coming and what they're looking for. What's really different, Denver, is that this is a global pandemic. It's affecting each and every one of us in ways that we probably weren't ever thinking would happen, whether, you know, the fact that we're all locked in our homes at this point, that yeah. uh, for many organizations are no longer able to execute on their primary services and programs, or they can't fundraise in the same way. So the sector has been hit hard and about 83% of those that we've surveyed are showing um, a negative impact from the, the financial aspect of the virus at this point. Mm -hmm. That's a big, big number. Are you anticipating mergers and closures in the nonprofit sector. You know, Michael, you have your uh, ear to the ground just about as well as anybody I know. So what are the things you're hearing in terms of these struggles and, and what do you think lays ahead for, for many of these organizations? 
we each have a very different experience as an organization. If you're working on something related to the pandemic, chances are you're busier than you've ever been. If you're not, and you're working in the arts, you're working in environmental issues, chances are you are struggling a bit right now. We're seeing definite situations where there are significant layoffs, there are furloughs, there are reduced work weeks. So it's a combination of either more demand than you're ready for with less resources to actually execute or no demand at all and an inability to do what it is that you you do best and so it's very difficult and so to your point of will there be mergers or shutdowns that i think so i think that's a natural way of consolidating the resources that are there what's interesting is that those are not generally fast moving events they require some time some negotiation so i think we may see an acceleration in that just based on need. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing we know, Michael, is that disasters bring out the scammers. What have you been seeing with this pandemic and what should we all be watching out for? The best way to avoid a scam is to know that you're giving to a legitimate nonprofit. Mm -hmm. The best way to do that is, you know, come to our website, come to charitynavigator.org and search on that organization. If you don't find it in our database, it may not be a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If it has a rating, then you can look at the rating and that'll help you in your decision. But you have to be careful with individual fund drives because unless you know the person directly, you may not know where the money may go to something that's different than your intent. You know, I know when you review a nonprofit organization, you take that information from their 990. So the impact of this pandemic isn't going to show up for a while yet. But with that said, will you take into consideration this crisis, the different impacts it has for different kinds of organizations that you just spoke to when doing those ratings? So it's a great question, Denver. And needless to say, it's on the top of minds of several within this sector right now. How are the ratings going to be impacted by COVID-19? There are a number of the financial metrics that will probably be affected. For example, one of our metrics is looking at working capital. How much working capital do you have in, in terms of reserves? I think right now we're realizing that that's a pretty good metric to have. And if you have a year's worth of reserves, chances are you're in a better spot today than if you have none. But I would assume at the end of 2020, if you're dipping into reserves, you may go down to as close to a zero balance there. So yes, we will be uh, taking into account what we see in the data. The problem is it's hard for us to predict that. And yeah. we won't actually get that data probably until the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. So very much know that there are several of the financial metrics that will be affected. The other thing that we're doing, and this is just, it's coincidental, but we began working on a new ratings methodology back in June of last year. And we're gonna launch that in July of this year. And what that's gonna do is it's gonna launch initially with what we're calling really just a health check, looking at sort of financial stability and good accountability, uh, transparency practices. It's focused on smaller, younger nonprofits. And mm -hmm. we're, we're getting this information from the 990, but in its next iteration, we'll be adding different attributes to what goes into the evaluation. So things like reputation, things like leadership, strategy, 
getting towards organizational effectiveness. We're working with others on building out the criteria for this, but it launches in July. And what's exciting for me is that it gives us other things to look at right now. And the really interesting thing for me about what's happening is that financial stability has been shaken. So we're going to need to focus on other things to figure out, is this the organization that I believe in, that I trust in, and are they making a difference? And my hope is that we will get better as a sector at articulating the impact that we're having in the world and enable the donor to look for that more than looking at where'd my money go. Yeah, yeah. I I do find it all to be very interesting because some of those notions can be reseeded in the back of your mind if you're a nonprofit leader or even a board member. But all of them are going to be elevated after this pandemic. And I think people are going to be looking at that criteria and applying it to their own organization with more intentionality than they had in the past. I mean, it just has to happen because you know what? We're going to have another crisis that's going to come along. It's be unexpected, but that's the definition of a crisis. So I think that people will be watching all this with a much, much closer eye. You know, for others that I have spoken with, they have really come to appreciate how important speed is during a crisis. Are there techniques that Charity Navigator is utilizing to work faster, to work smarter, to be more innovative, um, to make decisions more quickly? So a couple of things. We've moved the organization into working in an agile paradigm. So one thing we did and that I've instituted with my team or my direct reports is that I check in with them. We have a five to 10 minute check-in every day. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing these stand-ups every morning. And that's a great way of staying in sync, making quick little changes that allow us to execute faster on on different projects. We work in two week sprints. That very clear deliverables for those two weeks and then when we're done, we set up a new sprint cycle. Let me just ask you something about that, Michael, about those five-minute checkups. Were you doing, doing that back in the office, or is this something that you have uh, initiated since we've all been in the virtual world? I started it with my team once we left the office mm-hmm. because I wanted that regular touch point. I wanted to be there. And, and I'll be honest, and I think this is important for leaders in any sector, is you, you want to be in close contact with your team. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the reason for the checkup is also just a psychological checkup for all of us. In other yeah. words, we need grounding in each other. And it's been wonderful because we're getting closer as a team. We're getting more effective. It's funny because we don't see each other anymore, yet we've gotten closer through the distance. It's a wonderful sort of derivative effect, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It sounds to me you're far more intentional and I wouldn't be surprised if you continue those five-minute checkups when you get back to the office because they seem like they've been pretty successful. And uh, as you say, you make those little little course corrections along the line. Let me pick up what you just talked about, leadership. What have you found in addition to staying connected to the team as the keys to being an effective leader in a crisis? And do you think your leadership is going to change any in the future as a result of this? So I would say my leadership already has. And uh, so as a human being, I tend to be shy and not necessarily wanting to be engaging all the time or talking too much. I tend to sort of sit back a little bit. That doesn't work right now. Uh I've got to be up front. I've got to insist on meeting with my team. The other thing is, I think it's very important to find ways to find out what people are thinking about and what they're worrying about. And so I have the check-ins with my team. I also have 
them doing regular check-ins with their team and then that gets rolled up. We figure out what are the pain points and then addressing them. So I have at least a, a weekly communication with the entire staff and giving them, you know, up to date, we're working on this, we're struggling with that, we're doing really well here. It's important to be clear. One of the leaders that's really stood out is Cuomo and the way he's been doing his daily press briefings, for example. It's just clear. He's giving people information that they need. It's not always good news, but it's clear. He's yeah. also giving you an insight into how he's thinking about it. He's taking you inside the problem so you feel like you're part of it and you're working with him to find a solution. It's a shared, it's not him just telling you what's happening. It's like, this is what I'm wrestling with. And you're almost sitting at home saying, well, you know what we should do. So it's a collaborative way of doing it. And I think that's, you know, in terms of the leadership style, it's about uh, listening more. Mm -hmm. And then sort of when you hear something, respond to it. So in other words, it's like we're co-creating things. And so I need to hear you and then let you know that I heard you and then give you an indication how that's going to affect my thinking on it. Mm -hmm. So I may not agree with you, and that's okay, but at least I let you know I don't agree with you. And so I think that's closing the loop, sort of when you get the feedback, close the loop. I know it's a pretty cliche thing to say, but it's really important right now. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about leadership and your team, let's look at the other side, and that's the leadership of your board and the relationship between the CEO and particularly the board chair. Speak to that, how that is working, what has been important in terms of that relationship and, and the full board by extension. Probably the most important thing is trust and that there's a very strong trust relationship between the board chair and the CEO. And I have that and I, you know, I earned that. So mm -hmm. I think it's not something that's necessarily a given, but in order to have, you need to have trust between the two. You need to have empowerment. I think that's important. The CEO and, and also distinction of who does what. The board should not be doing operations. I think that is very hard for a CEO and, and a leadership of, you know, management team to actually handle that because they're not there. Yeah. And, and so figuring out that uh, division of labor, so to speak, is a very important thing. And I'm, I'm very happy with our board. We have a good board and great board chair that really stand by us. And I use my board. We have sort of our standing committees, which are part of the real governance of Charity Navigator. And then we create these expert groups, which work on sort of thornier issues, very specific either to the rating or to things around development. We have a whole multitude of different topics. We have one on sort of human resources and organizational growth, different things like that. Data, mm -hmm. data group. Traumatic events like this bring an endless series of challenges, but they also provide some opportunities. What opportunities, Michael, do you see for Charity Navigator as you look out ahead? I think the opportunity for us and what's been so validating for Charity Navigator is to be adding value at a time of crisis. We're a virtual organization, so we were blessed by that in that this has been minimally disruptive. We were ready to go to a work from home environment. And we're actually able to do more right now. The sector's gonna need support. We're all gonna feel the economic impact of this virus when that sort of the second wave hits. And mm -hmm. when that does, I think helping nonprofits raise their profiles to prospective donors 
through third-party validation is going to be a tremendous asset to them. And so I think the opportunity for us, which is really exciting with this new system coming online, is that we're going to be covering about 100,000 nonprofits with that when we start. And so that will escalate them or, or provide them with a trust indicator that they can then use in their own promotional work it should also drive additional traffic to Charity Navigator, which is good for us. Yeah, yeah. Finally, Michael, what can listeners do to help support the important work you're doing that is helping all of us make better decisions when it comes to who we're gonna support during this pandemic? Well, Charity Navigator is a 501c3 working nonprofit. We live primarily off of individual donations. So making a donation to Charity Navigator at charitynavigator.org would be incredibly beneficial. We'll keep us going in doing the work that we do. And as the saying goes, a rising tide raises all boats. If we're able to be more effective in our ratings, we hope that dollars will be directed towards more effective organizations and the world becomes a better place as a result. So a donation to Charity Navigator actually has significant impact across a multitude of different areas. Well, that is a virtuous circle you just described. I know you're one busy guy, Michael, and I just want to let you know how grateful I am to you for taking the time to, to be here with us today and share this information. Thanks a lot and stay well. Thank you. Likewise, Denver. Thank you very much.